Welcome to your weekly dose of NFL Jibber Jabber, the Club Dub Football Podcast. Want to get in touch? That's easy. Message through social or email clubdubpodcast at mail.com. Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. Where the only question is Does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! Welcome back, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. Are you both doing? You're right. Yeah. It was oh. not long since I was in both of your companies. So, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. And I'm looking forward to spending more time in your company this weekend. So, well, I'm, I'm also looking forward to spending more time in the company of the both of you. And of course, Club Dub Podcast superfan Nick. Uh, and hopefully we'll watch a slightly more interesting game. Well, I was going to say that uh, recap stroke club dub extravaganza this week started off a bit low key. I thought you both sounded quite, quite sullen, but then it does make sense when you think about the fact that we went to Wembley and let's just put it out there. Um, the food options. Crikey, like both of them. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I got a survey from the NFL on Monday morning, land in my inbox, and I thought, do you know what? I will. And when the highest scoring thing of all 91 questions was Laura Wright singing of the national anthem, you know that there is some serious work needed to be done by Wembley to get itself up to Tottenham standards, boys. Am I wrong? Yeah, I would agree. I do think as well that the game plays into that. If we'd watched a great game, you you kind of don't pay as much attention to the bar and the food and all that kind of stuff. But as it wasn't a great game and it wasn't great food options, uh, yeah, you're right. It, it builds into the whole bit, NFL UK experience. Doesn't a bit it? low so. key, didn't it? I mean, great if you're a Jags fan. I mean, I hadn't realised how long it had been since the Jags had won on British soil. So all of the stats coming out about that were were good. Um, but yeah. otherwise, um, well, before we get going, we should say, due to uh, scheduling errors, um, we are now doing a club dub extravaganza, I think I called it in our lead-in, where we will do both our recap and our Pick'em show as one jumbo-sized pod. If you like to listen to them in two parts out there in Listenland, we will we will give you a clear division. We will cut in and let you know where one stops and another begins. But for all of you looking on Spotify or wherever you might download your podcasts or enjoy your podcasts from, um, you will see just one bumper-sized episode. So I think that gives us um, room to explore quite a lot of things going on in the NFL and, um, and probably leave Taylor Swift alone I'm, I'm still amazed how much of a big deal that is um but but yeah we've got so many different um burrows to go down including one about cincinnati arguably um but gents before i get into the recap of last week's scores which seems slightly null and void when we think we're now at a midweek recording um what were your standout moments we'll do performances in a bit jb standout moments from an action-packed week in the nfl Oh, moments is difficult. Games, I think, is probably more the one. I was travelling a lot of Sunday as we were parting company, so I didn't get to watch as many games as I would normally tend to like. But I think 
the, a standout for me, oddly, and I hate to say it, JB, is becoming the Texans and CJ Stroud. Um, for me, kind of the moment is his kind of evolution, really. And if you would have thought, you know, they, they've been pretty consistent. They've done some nice things, but nothing super flashy, I guess, from the Texans. And you'd seen Stroud kind of, build into the season as rookies tend to do you know you're starting to find his feet and build a bit of rapport with receivers but then you kind of went into this weekend thinking that's all well and good but the Steelers defense is going to be a real test and that ultimately TJ Watt is going to be a real test because any rookie quarterback can have good games against poor or average teams and they can play well in, in fits and spurts but I kind of felt coming into this, that's going to be really tough. Because, you know, we've seen over the last few weeks, TJ Watt's been fierce and dominant and Nick Fitzpatrick's look good. And overall, that that Steelers defense has looked good and kind of felt, well, the Texans are going to struggle here with no real true wide receiver one, a decent but not super splashy run game and problems on defense and this, that and the other. And you kind of think, well, maybe it's going to be tough. And actually, it just became the CJ Stroud show, really, and kind of put the Steelers to the sword. I know they had um, maybe a little bit of an injury to to pick it and stuff like that, but really, I thought I was really impressed. You know, I think from where I thought the the Texans would be this year, they're a long way ahead of where I thought they would be, and that was really a bit of a statement performance for me because whatever you think and and whatever problems they might have on offense, the Steelers' defense is normally fierce. They come at you, they go for the full game, and TJ Watt is a one-man train wrecking ball. So the fact that he was able to put in such a, a dominant performance, and again, we saw the things that we've seen from him, you know, be clean, be efficient, don't make silly mistakes. Um so I think against a really good defense, it, it kind of shone even more. I, I like you taking train wreck and wrecking ball and making those into one yeah, super giant phrase. Yeah, I was halfway through it and I was like, no, this is one thing now. It's I'm, I'm a, using it's that. Kind of become a phrase. I'm having that. Train wrecking ball is absolutely where we're going to go. Maybe that becomes a feature. Maybe that becomes our defender of the year. You know what? We'll we'll workshop this in a There's in a another place at another yeah. time. But I love it. JB moments for you. I, oddly enough, Aldrin started off his bit with apologies to me because obviously the the Houston Texans pulled down the Steelers' pants in front of everybody watching, and that was kind of my performance as well. Um, not just I, I think not just from this week, but from everything we've seen so far from the Texans. We talked about them and the Cardinals as the argument for which is going to be the worst team in the NFL. Is it? It's going to be one of these two. Which is it? And in actuality, it's neither of them. The Texans have looked really, really strong, really good the last couple of weeks. Um, whether it will continue, who knows? But there are flashes of D'Amico Ryans and what he can do with that team. And, and like we talk about with so many times, the identity that they can put forward. The same thing with the Cardinals. That was a team. Uh, and we said this, didn't we, Rob? Like watching it on the Rob Rose NFL Night Sofa. That was a team that playing their butts off, giving absolutely everything that they could in a situation that, in all honesty, was never going to go their way. It, like right from the very start, 
Christian McCaffrey was was running through that defense like this is only going to go one way, but it wasn't embarrassing. We've seen embarrassing games. Hello, Broncos. And it absolutely wasn't that. It's a team that are trying and a team that are working together to do it. And that was great. Mm. If I'm going to single out one thing that isn't that what's all uh, that Audrin said, I am going to go to not necessarily New York, New York, but New Jersey, New York. And Z- uh, Zach Wilson wasn't terrible. Was well, actually quite good. Isn't he the first statistical quarterback, the first quarterback to statistically outplay Patrick Mahomes? Yep. Uh-huh. And Robert Robert Salah last week after the after the very embarrassing performance said, Zach is the quarterback that gives us the most opportunity to win. And he was ridiculed for that statement. This week, Robert Salah said, Zach's our quarterback going forward. And you're like, yeah, yeah, actually, I can believe that. If he keeps playing like that, I can imagine the Jets still continuing to win a couple of games, winning more games than everybody expected. And I can see the Jets having a season. They can look back and say, you know what? Considering our quarterback saviour lasted five minutes before he was out for almost the entire season, potentially, that's pretty good. So let's give credit where it's due. That was a good game. I think the one thing as well, the, the moment for me for that game was almost the, the you know, the post-game interviews. I was, I was actually quite impressed with Wilson. You know, he took accountability. He was saying that was on me. I've got to be better. I cost us that game. And ultimately, like you said, JB, I don't think he did really. You know, I think he played very well. To be statistically better than Mahomes is no mean feat. But I thought the... The shift in his attitude and his personality in that media interview was more a step in the right direction because that was, I think that was a lot of the disruption from last year, wasn't it? Was his attitude towards his teammates and being accountable and all that kind of stuff. And I felt like that came across a lot more in this interview. I think maybe, you know, the benching and the Rogers thing maybe has humbled him a little bit and he's, you know, working on being better in all aspects of being a uh, New York Jets quarterback, so I thought that was impressive. Well, you saw the the pictures from in game when it happened, oh, not when it happened, after it happened. When he's on, like he's on the bench, you can see he is so disappointed in himself. You see, he's really upset. It's like, ah, oh, I, you, you know exactly what he's putting himself through in his head, and he's surrounded by teammates who are trying to cheer him up, or trying to lift his spirits. Like, come on, get yourself up. That- like you said, from last year would be unheard of, unthought of, because it wasn't seen that Zach Wilson was that kind of quarterback. And that's a good sign. And it's one of those signs for me personally, that kind of the, the, not loud voices, but certain voices talking about how maybe it's time for the Jets to move on from Salah is ridiculous. Like, I, I think he is absolutely the right coach I think they are performing better, but they still need they still need the quarterback position better. They had that this year and it got taken away from them in an injury. So I don't think he's run out of road yet. No, but I think when you build yourself up for win now and you don't win now, I think you put yourself in a difficult situation. Um, I like that though. I mean, it, it's it's funny because, and and I, as you guys know, I don't follow round ball football all that closely. But I heard an interview. I just happened to be watching the news, and I think Sean Dyche, who's the manager of Everton in the English Premier League, was interviewed after they'd lost at home to Luton. 
And he said the the defeat was so disappointing because they had a chance to change their storyline at Everton rather than being, oh, woe is me. They could have won three games in a week, blah, blah, blah. And it gave me this thought that how interesting an idea is that, that sometimes a performance changes a storyline about a player or about a football team or whatever it might be. And you saw kind of probably the Bears miss their opportunity to change their storyline at the weekend. They had a great lead against, you know, a, a hardly potent Denver offense and and let it slip and and absolutely were you know architects of their own own downfall um but for me the the missed opportunity to change a storyline was the New York Giants I mean that 97 yard pick six just almost sums up their season so far a team that probably came into this year thinking they'd finally you know gone out of that cycle of a new head coach every couple of years they'd finally got a great foundation they'd kind of shown good things they'd got you know daniel jones you know playing at a good level and then all of a sudden in four games all of that seems to have disappeared so performance of the week for me whether it's with a spoon or the seattle seahawks i think to do what they've done i think is great they needed a win too i thought it was super so i'm gonna roll through the scores um then um, I'm going to give you the toughest quiz question in all of podcasting. I have an absolute zinger um, when it comes to no Google, all noodle. Um, but yeah, let's do the um, the rather exciting week four recap first, because as we've said, there are some pretty interesting games. We have to go back the best part of a week to see the Detroit Lions absolutely rubber stamping their credentials as contenders this year. What's happening in Green Bay, I'm not too sure. Maybe they were the mirage of week one getting past a very, I don't know, very um, under par Chicago Bears. But anyway, to the scores, it was the Lions who won 34-20 on Thursday Night Football with the light shining. Then we fast forward to very early Sunday morning US time for the Jaguars winning very comfortably, if not all that excitingly, 23 points to seven over the Atlanta Falcons. The Colts looked like they were on for a fantastic comeback, taking a game to overtime against the LA Rams, but with a wide receiver that I'm sure we'll be talking about in detail over the next hour or so, um, the Rams were able to squeak out a win, 29-23. to The Browns, well, it's hard to see where they are and also where the Ravens might be. The Ravens disappointing last week. This week, they take care of business 28-3 over Cleveland. The Panthers, well, it looked like it could be exciting and maybe start to change the fortunes of their season early on, but the Vikings roared back for their first W of the year, 21-13 over Carolina. Um, The Cincinnati Bengals, where do they go from here? What felt like a blip is turning into a bit of a trend. This weekend, it was the Tennessee Titans who beat them 27 points to three. Saints Buccaneers, while it was one of those that I always say was close until it wasn't, with Tampa Bay eventually racing out and winning 26 points to nine. Do you remember all that hype about the Miami Dolphins? Well, Buffalo Bills are pretty good at making that disappear. Um, 48 points from Buffalo and Josh Allen, only 20 from Miami, but I think most people see both of these teams as contenders come January. And as I mentioned earlier, the Bears were ahead until they weren't. 28-31 defeat to the Denver Broncos leaves their hierarchy wondering just where they could go next. The Eagles were good, 
At times, the Commanders look better, but it's Philly who managed to get over the line in the end, winning 34-31 to over Washington. We've already talked about the Texans. What we maybe needed to absolutely focus on was just how dominant the scoreline was in Houston's second win of the year. They beat the Steelers 30 points to 6. The Chargers looked like they were going to lose the kind of game they should win really a bit of a habit they've had over the last few years but this time it was a touch different 24-17 over Las Vegas um, the Cardinals well nobody's handing out lollipops for performances but they worked hard um, but were outclassed against a real contender in an opponent in the 49ers who really do have all the credentials to be Lombardi lifters 35-16 the winning score for San Francisco then the Cowboys, well, they had their wobble last week, but they thankfully had the Patriots this week and were able to get back on track comfortably, 38 points to three in the end. And we've already touched on a narrow win for the Chiefs over the New York Jets, 23 points to 20. And the Seattle Seahawks, we've already touched on winning 24 to three against the New York Giants. So there's your roundup. We're going to throw ourselves in and we're going to talk about the games of the week. I don't think we'll be doing much talk about London, but who knows? Maybe you'll want to go there. But before we do, no Google all noodle, the toughest quiz question in all of podcasting. AFC quarterbacks slightly outscore NFC quarterbacks historically in the most touchdowns scored in the history of the NFL. When it comes to the AFC, it's probably unsurprising that the two quarterbacks who've thrown the most touchdowns as AFC quarterbacks were Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. What I want to know then is in the history of the NFL, who is third in that list? So quarterbacks playing in the AFC, throwing touchdowns. You've got Brady and Manning one and two. Who is three? I will come back for your answers at the end of this pod. But there you go. There's enough from me. Um, Aldrin, why don't you take us to your game of the week and start spilling all the great juicy details from what was a pretty good round of NFL football? Yeah, I mean, I kind of struggled to pick a game because <clears throat> there's one very, very obvious one. And I guess we could touch on it, but I also want to touch on this team a little bit um, for my for my next week's game. So maybe I'll let JB talk about that one. Um, I do think, though, that the game for me is the Lions-Packers. That really was a bit of a statement for me. And I don't want to I don't want to call out JB, but he, he did say that week one, Jordan Love looked great and maybe they won't win all that many games after that because he looked so good and I to say it, I think that's where they're at really for me that I mean the mm. Packers have only beaten um the Bears who are hands down the worst team in football and then they beat in a second half comeback Jameis Winston you know they didn't beat the Saints they beat a Saints with no Derek Carr um and came back from what was a looking like a comfortable Saints win to um, just doing enough to sneak past the the Jameis Winston-led um, Saints. So, yeah, I'm not particularly sold on Green Bay. And like you said, maybe at the at the top of the show, I don't really know what's going on there. It's a bit of a weird situation. I don't know. Actually, do you know what? I do know what's going on there. The same thing that's gone on there for the last 10 years. The difference is, is that they don't have Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback, um, to be blunt. 
you know, that seems to be what it is. They've got the same old problems of middling to average receivers, a couple of good young rookie type players in there, but ultimately nothing that you can really rely on. Um, a run game that doesn't seem to be going anywhere this year. You know, they've got Aaron Jones who had, you know, one stellar game, but then has kind of gone missing. Um, AJ Dillon, I can't remember even seeing any highlight or really recall of him this season. You know, normally you, you see some of those bruising runs of his where he just gets downfield and starts bulldozing players, and that's not really happened. And the defence is the same old Packers defence. It's weak against the run. They're not consistent. They're not solid enough. Um, so, that, I mean, I, that's what I feel is going on with the Packers. The Lions, though, like you said, are looking like um, a real contender. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of Goff. I know he threw another pick this week, didn't he? Which is uncharacteristic, having not thrown yeah. any for as many snaps as he did. Um until the week before but ultimately i'm still a massive fan of his i think he is consistent efficient he's got great rapport with those receivers um they've got a good run game oh brilliant there's just a game. lot to like you know there's a lot to like they've got montgomery and Jimmer gibbs haven't they and they just well, as a tandem look great and this is the weird thing with the lines they had a great tandem last year broke them up and then they've they just found two new ones and put together a great tandem again exactly what i was about to say the difference for the lines is what they can do in the run game particularly in the red zone that they just yeah. have that you know they they have that way of playing and that way of creating mismatches. So, I mean, if you look at the stats, I mean, the big difference on that Thursday night football was Aaron Aaron Jones, five carries for 18 yards. Montgomery, 32 carries, 121 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah. There, there's yeah. your difference. And and the thing is, the way they play, and they've, they've got great talent in those lines now, that will be the difference against a lot of teams. Whether it will be enough against the real cream of the NFL crop, well, that's another story. But I have them as... I mean, absolute division favourites there. I mean, they showed they are a proper step ahead of Green Bay. And if you're a step ahead of Green Bay, that has you, what, at least half a step ahead of Minnesota and probably another full step ahead of Chicago. They've they've got to be nailed on to win that division. Yeah, and you think they've got Jamison Williams to come back this week as well. You know, they're getting another massive offensive weapon. They're, overall, they're just really impressive. I mean, I think... Amon Ra St. Brown is probably one of the more underrated players, but I think the stuff that he does is exceptional. He does all of that. You know, it's the that dirty work across the middle. You know, in the slot, it's tough. It is bruising. You've got to be in and out of your routes, and you're going to get smashed by a linebacker at some point. But he's so clinical with his movement. And also so great when he gets the ball in his hands that I'm I'm a massive fan of his. But I think if they can add, you know, Jameson Williams into that and get him going, because we've not really seen anything of him since they drafted him, have we? You know, he came back from the injury for a few games. Then he's been suspended. You know, I think he was a real talent coming out of college and it'd be great to see him get back up to speed and get playing again. But um, yeah, overall, they're just an impressive unit. Goff is another one of those clinically underrated players. And I think just because of, you know, I, I don't know, because you, you think 
he got that he got bad rap really and the Rams wanted to move on from him but like you ultimately forget he he kind of orchestrated getting them towards a Super Bowl and it's no mean feat for any quarterback there's only two that manage it a year that manage to lead their team to a Super Bowl and only one of them can win it so you know sometimes you just come up against a better team but um yeah I'm a big fan of his I'm a big fan of the whole organization i think the way they've conducted themselves over the last few years in rebuilding what was an awfully maligned franchise they've got a coach that they trust that trusts his players they've got a system they're happy with and i think ultimately like i was saying the indictment of the system is their run game last year particularly in the red zone was unstoppable incredible what did they do? They got rid of both running backs from last year. They moved both on, you know, one end of a contract, one of a trade, brought in two new guys, and there's been no drop in performance. There's still that bruising, punching team at the goal line. They've still got a talented pass-catching receiver that can get out in the open field. You know, they've got, yeah, they've got it all, really. So I'm incredibly impressed, and um, it was a real statement for me because – as much as I've, you know, downplayed the the Packers, they're still not an easy team to beat, and they've still got weapons, and they they still have that fight and that desire to win. So to put such a performance on them, I thought was really impressive. Yeah, I I would have to agree. I mean that that win put the Lions three and one, Packers two and two. But I mean they're close in record alone. As far as I'm concerned, I only expect that gap to stretch as the season goes on. Um. My only thought, and it's my thought every week, is I say this with great regularity. The Rams traded for Matthew Stafford and he won them a Super Bowl. And I still think the Lions won that trade. You know, I still think what the Lions were able to get will absolutely give them a trajectory over the next few years they wouldn't have had otherwise with Jared Goff. Um, JB, where do you want to take us for your performance of the week, sir? So I'm, uh, as as Aldrin sort of says, in the NFC. I am also going to stay in the NFC because I think my favourite game was probably the Eagles Commanders because it really was a really good game. Yeah, it was really really good. It wasn't the blowout that I think a lot of people were expecting. I think kind of the some of the the uh, doom callers and the naysayers were in for uh riverboat wrong we'll come back to that nickname shortly and sam howell and how the commanders weren't weren't on point and weren't going to do anything and i think they came out and not necessarily silenced the critics but at least answered them because there's not many teams that can go up against the the eagles who are in, in consideration for nfc favorites again and nearly take the win. Um, I, I think the, the criticism I think Ron will get, and honestly, I, I kind of have it, is you, you, you riverboat Ron. Go for it. Your fortune favours the bold. Kicking the point to tie it kind of didn't feel like the right thing to do. And, you know, if you believe in, like, the fates and everything like that, is that what cost them the game? No, probably not. But I, st- I still think for a team that were very much maligned and misunderstood at the start of the season, the commanders aren't out of it by any means. And with, as Aldrin's been talking about, with the poor performance of the Vikings, the poor performance of the Packers, just to name two, 
the Giants not really coming flying out of the blocks either. There's three wildcard spots open for the playoffs. And right now, yeah. the Commanders would be in, at least for me, in the conversation as I think they could secure one of those quite easily. Well, there's a lot of things going on there. I mean, the, the Commanders, I think Sam Howell is... I've not made my mind up. I think he, he made some great throws, actually, at the weekend, some really tight window throws, and also kind of had that little bit about him in the fourth quarter, you know, which matters. You know, as a quarterback, it, it so often, you know, will end up on your shoulders uh, to win a game or otherwise. And I can kind of see why uh, Riverboat Ron didn't go for two, largely because I think his team were kind of playing better. And you think in overtime, you know, when effectively it all begins again with a coin toss, I, I think he probably fancied his team to to get something done. Um, I thought there were green shoots for the commanders. Great to see Terry McLaurin a bit more involved. Um, yeah, I thought there was a lot going on. And and the the kind of bit I talked about with all the different storylines is Eric Bieniemy. I mean, if he can orchestrate orchestrate a great offense in Washington. I think that absolutely puts him in that shop window that he truly wanted to be in, where he is absolutely amongst the first choice kind of candidates for head coaching roles in what, probably seven, eight months time. So God, even sooner. Um, Yeah. I like the commanders in this one. Again, I don't like handing out lollipops for defeats, Um, but I think green shoots, (laughs) and you summed it up brilliantly. The giants made it in last year. They're not making it in this year gives teams like Washington a chance. So I'll be really quick with my game of the week. Um, I just thought the Buffalo Bills were just impervious. I mean, you you kind of, there's one thing being able to control and being able to restrict an offense like Miami. And look, Miami had their moments. I think, you know, if the game was played again, I'm not sure I would have... Buffalo, the heavy favourites, the the scoreline suggests they would have been in this one. But it's the fact that Josh Allen, who looked really, really poor in week one, is not looking really, really poor now. He is looking like a guy who can put the ball wherever he wants it, who can just take two steps left, two steps right, and open up throwing lanes that just didn't look like they were even there. And the thing about it is, is I think their lines have improved. And I mean, you can see a bit of that. I mean, ultimately, I think Joe Burrow is a great quarterback. But ultimately, one of the things when Joe Burrow's coming back from an injury that he doesn't have, that ultimately Josh Allen has an abundance of, is just good levels of consistent play around him. And I think the Buffalo Bills, I mean, it's funny, they were probably the AFC favourites this time last year. I'd probably say they're there now. You know, if if you look at what the Chiefs did, uh, I mean, winning is is most important, right? And not playing well and winning, well, there's an art form even with that. But I just think the Buffalo Bills, whoever you line them up against, I think they've probably beaten the second best team in the AFC at the weekend. Um, so you've got to put them top of the hill. Yeah, I think you're right. I think after such a historic performance by the Dolphins, a lot of eyes, and we talked about this a little bit last week, a lot of eyes were on that game to be like, okay, the Dolphins have just absolutely trampled that Broncos team, but how much of an achievement is it to play and and crush a team that's just not very good and isn't even trying? The big challenge was obviously going to be, how are they going to do against the Bills? A Bills team which have yet again, like you said, 
started a bit stop start not really put their best foot forward all the time and what we got out of it was actually the bills were the the cream of the crop the the bills absolutely put in the performance that they needed against that team and the dolphins a week on from looking extraordinary looked very ordinary and that that to me is it. it's not beating the dolphins by 28 points it's keeping that that dolphins offense to 20 when they put up 70 the week before Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, even without the 70 the week before, they're a team that will score a lot more than 20 points in a lot of games this season. You know, they're an offense built for that. Um, I also loved listening to the interviews after that game. How many of the players, when they said, oh, you know, what is it that, you know, gave you the advantage today? A lot of them mentioned coaching, which I think is a really good sign if you've got players bought in. I mean, how many times are we listening to players talk about coaches and trying to look for subtext about, you know, did Justin Fields mean that he's been limited by the coaches in Chicago or, you know, what, what, whatever it is, or what did Zach Wilson mean by that comment about the the coaches in New York? You know, all of those things are being read into in press conferences up and down um, the nation on a Sunday evening. And then you've got Buffalo whose players are coming out and going, well, Sean McDermott, just absolutely this whole coaching staff give us this great opportunity to win. The ideas they come up with, the game plans, you've just got a team that's absolutely bought in. Um, I don't know. I, the only thing with Buffalo, and they had this in the Jim Kelly era, is how painful is it to fall at these final hurdles each and every season? Are we going to see a year where they put it together? You know, or oh, can I even say this out loud? You know, they're a team that have had their fair share of bad luck already. And then they go and put Josh Allen on the front cover of Madden. I don't know. I don't know. Is the Madden curse still a third? Anyway, let's let's leave that well alone. Um, yeah, loving Buffalo. Still loving Miami, actually. Expect them to take care of lesser teams and probably give very good teams a very good game as the season progresses. But definitely a weekend for uh, Bills Mafia to enjoy. So, there was our roundup. For those of you who like to split these pods into two, should we say pause now? Pause now and maybe enjoy the second half another day. Or maybe not. You know, we're throwing ourselves into a week that's only 24 hours away as we're recording, as we uh, roll, rumble towards towards Thursday night football. So as we head into week five, we have the exciting Buffalo Bills to enjoy in London, mate. But there are a lot of other great games, and a lot of other great teams. Aldrin, give us your game of the week, please. And why? Well, my game of the week is going to be the Jags against the Bills. Purely, if nothing else, because we're going to be together and we're going to watch some NFL football in London again. But I think the reason I wanted to call it out is because the Bills, like we just touched on, look so imperious. They look so strong. And it was funny, wasn't it? Because after the first week of the, the season, everyone was like, oh, maybe the Bills aren't as good as the Bills used to be, or maybe they're going to need to get Diggs involved, and oh, there's all this strife and uproar, and then suddenly the last few weeks they have just steamroll teams, um, and they look like that really fierce, frightening team that they were, you know, the last couple of years, and contrast that with the Jags I think the Jags have been a real disappointment for me this year um you know I'm a big fan I like what they're doing and uh, I, you know uh, they've got some good pieces but 
they don't seem to be making a step forward. And that for me is a big missed opportunity really, because, you know, last year we looked and we thought, well, Trevor Lawrence is improving, you know, he's got ETN, they've now got Tank Bigsby alongside. So they've got some good running backs, you know, they've got Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk, who, you know, we're all big fans of, you know, uh, particularly Kirk, I think, the amount of times I said to you, Robert, at last week's game, this is going to Kirk for his safe hands. And yeah. every single time when you need a third down, you've got eight yards to go. You need somebody to catch that ball and, and get you that first down. He is the guy you can rely on. So they've got great yeah. pieces in and around them, but they just kind of flatter to deceive this year. I, I don't know. I, I think Trevor Lawrence still makes silly mistakes every now and then and and it felt like last year he kind of turned a corner and then i've still seen plenty of those this year where he's you know not making the right reads or just not really driving the team forward as you might want a quarterback with you know such high value and and such high um consideration amongst you know college scouts and nfl alumni alike you know you expected him to be the guy generational talent was what we were sold wasn't it yeah and you know i think if you you think he'd been likened to probably andrew luck and peyton manning you know is that level of sure thing coming out of college and i don't think he's lived up to that you know i think both manning and andrew luck were brilliant cults by the way but also um you know within a couple of years they'd really found their stride and they were leading their teams and they were the focal points and it doesn't really feel like Lawrence is that at the moment I still think he's got exceptional talent but just making that that I don't know that leadership step it it just doesn't feel like he drives them on um defense I think the defense put them in a good position at the weekend. So Lawrence and the offense didn't have to do a whole heap. You know, they were up against the Falcons who, let's be honest, we didn't really talk about it in our roundup. And there's a reason because they were absolutely abysmal. Ridder is not looking for me like a, a starting quarterback. Um, there's not a whole lot going on in that team. And that's, you know, saying a lot when you have, players like Kyle Pitts in there that you can't even get involved in the game. You know, I think we saw what, maybe two catches from him. I mean, I'm sure he probably had more, but it felt so anonymous um, that they're not really getting anything going. That said, Bijan Robinson is amazing. I think that guy is unreal and singing in person kind of solidified that for me, but ultimately running back on their own in a really poor team cannot lead that whole offense it, it just can't happen you know there's got to be a threat of something else going on and there just doesn't seem to be that you know drake london fairly anonymous and you, you think these are exceptional players coming out of college that are really highly touted hits i've watched him as a florida gator and i thought they're going to do amazing things with him and they did for a little bit i think we saw him last year didn't we in london looks great i think he had a hundred plus yard game and he got a touchdown just don't seem to be throwing the ball his way. They don't seem to be getting him involved as much. And I, I don't know. It just feels like they're wasting him. But ultimately, you know, it meant that the Jags didn't have to hold, do a whole heap. The great pick six was 
you know, a game killer, really. After that, the Jags didn't have to do a whole lot. But yeah, the Jags are just a, a bit disappointing at the minute. And I think they're going to get a real rude awakening at the weekend because the Bills come to play every game. And, you know, to to go and put on such a show, uh, the Miami Dolphins, who everyone's lauding as Super Bowl winners already because they go and absolutely smash the Broncos and they look like a real serious team. And the Bills had no fear, no concern. It wasn't even as if, you know, I thought, well, this game's going to be good because it's going to be a real slugfest. And it, it, it just never felt that way. The Bills felt in control pretty much for that whole game. You know, it didn't feel like, oh, it's a real they get a touchdown, we get a touchdown, and that's going to go on for four quarters. It was just kind of steady progress from the Bills. Every time they got, they took, and they put enough pressure on the Dolphins to not give them opportunities. So, you know, I just think they are looking like a really serious, serious team. Josh Allen is as good as ever. Um, it's interesting as well. They seem like they've got a really settled running back situation now. James Cook is the guy. You know, he's the lead back. And last year, that wasn't really the case. He was in and out and more rotation this year. He's the guy and everyone else is there just to spell him when he's tired. So I think the Bills look a serious team. And yeah, I'm really excited because as much as I'm, you know, a semi-casual fan of the Jags because they're over here a lot and we see them a lot and we like to see them do well. But I think it's going to be a real a real long day for them because the Bills, if they play anywhere near like what they played against the Dolphins, they will roll that Jags team over. I think I think you've got a lot of good points here. And one thing that I kind of drifted to when you were talking about sort of the criticism with Trevor Lawrence and his decision making and everything like that mm-hmm. was the the third down when the Jags were marching down the field on Sunday when he could have run for the for the yardage and more, but instead threw the touch through to try to make the touchdown for a contested catch that was never on. Now we talked about it and we kind of let him off on the day because oh well they were already ahead. It was it was not running up the score, but like the, the Falcons weren't going to come back. So you could make those kinds of mistakes. But the more we sort of sat and thought about it, the more it's like, no, you, you can't make those kind of mistakes. It doesn't matter. And to reference something that we've already talked about already, like last week and this week, the Dolphins. The Dolphins carried on adding points and adding points and adding points and adding points because that's how you get better. You get better by practice and you get better by execution. I wanted to see Trevor Lawrence execute better and have the awareness to think, I don't need to throw it, I can run. Because he'd done it earlier on in the game. So we know he can do it. It's can he do it consistently. And that's, to me, the big question about the Jags in general. It's consistently performing like they can. Kind of like you've said, Aldrin, like Calvin Ridley looks, uh, looks great. Christian Kirk looked great. Trevor Lawrence looked great points and then at other points everybody kind of disappeared and that's the thing that they need to get better at and that's the thing that they need to get better at immediately because you cannot be inconsistent against these buffalo bills because they will punish you for it um the bills uh, are moving again i think they they they've been rolling for the last two weeks josh allen looked incredible last week and i think he will continue to 
it's it's very much like where where do you stop them? I'm not saying this is like a Philadelphia Eagles style thing of you can't spy the quarterback, you can't put all of the focus on Josh Allen because then, like you said, like the running game is there, Stefan Diggs is there, but at the same time, you do kind of have to make like commit your thing of okay this is what we are going to expect the bills to do this is what we are going to prepare for here is us putting our putting the hat on this segment of it and to a degree it's kind of like hoping you've got the right one so like i mean this is maybe the most excited i've been for a london game in a while i think this has got the potential to be really really good which will be great after last week which wasn't yeah uh, i mean my only thoughts really and their thoughts more about the game the weekend past than the one ahead in relation to the Jags. They just weren't tested, were they? I mean, nothing about the Falcons scheme put any real offensive pressure um on the Jags. You know, they're not finding mismatches. They're lining up, you know, athletic tight ends at wide receiver, which effectively nullifies their their kind of advantage of really being able to put them up against linebackers. Um you know, I think we could have seen a very different Jags if we'd have seen a very different Falcons. I mean, that game was so comfortable for Jacksonville. There was no need for the high risk. But you are right, JB. A couple of moments where I thought, you know, there weren't great decisions out of Trevor Lawrence. The only thing I would say, I thought um, Evan Ingram had more of an impact than I thought he might. I thought he looked very useful and, and again, made big catches in... You know, I'd call them big moments, but I mean, a lot of them were in the first half, really. The game by halftime was was pretty much done. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the only thing with the Jags against the Bills is they can't afford to fall behind because I think against a team like Buffalo, even if you can put a great drive together, you know, how likely is it you're going to be able to stop Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and all those players going the other way? Um and the other thing Buffalo have got in their favour is all of that stuff you were talking about, Aldrin, at the very start, about how Stefan Diggs wasn't happy and you've got a number of players who are starting to grumble. Well, they're all going to stop grumbling when they're putting up 40-odd points because when you're putting up 40-odd points a week, everyone's going to get their touchdown catch. Everyone's going to get their touchdown run. You know, Everyone's going to play their part. And when you're scoring that many points, it's a great way to keep a good number of players happy. Um Yes, I am excited for this weekend's game, but I'm hopeful for a competitive game on paper. Yeah, I can't see much past Buffalo, but it's not my call, Aldrin. It's for you to pick who goes in the most exclusive club in all of podcasting. Well, I think in a surprise to nobody about how effusive my praise was, I'm putting the Buffalo Bills into club dirt. probably week in week out through most of the season if they keep anything like this level of performance up but one game down uh in our extravaganza jb means one game to go i'm coming over to you for your game of the week sir so i will be going from a game that the three of us will absolutely be watching live to a game the three of us will absolutely not be watching live we are going to Sunday Night Football and we're going to talk about the Cowboys and the 49ers because if this isn't a playoff preview game in week five, I, do, I don't know what is. You've got Agreed. 
the 49ers who with with respect to everybody look like the the absolute top team in the NFL not the NFC the NFL in general they are a team that have come out absolutely flying there's been no like grounding issues there's been no issues with getting themselves going or or adding in new pieces or anything like that every single person in that team has come out and been like okay i completely understand this assignment and off i go going to do it um i think we've we've moved on i i think as a general nfl um populace from how is brock purdy back playing and throwing the football so soon after that injury to okay how good is this guy actually going to be because last year it was okay well could it be an aberration you know is it just like it's beginner's luck it's first first season syndrome and next season he'll come crashing down to now being okay so how did this guy slip through everybody's fingers legitimately but obviously a big part of the assistance he's got is he has got the best running back in football right now some of the best offensive players and weapons in football now he's got an incredible defense and he's got probably the best and most creative play caller in football calling the shots for him that's an awful lot that adds up to a really really good team that are kind of in that kind of mood of we're not going to score 70 points a game but what we are going to do is score absolutely more points than you every single time try and stop us and the Cowboys are, uh, are this week's contestants in who can stop the 49ers. Um, it's a nice callback to that kind of like late 80s, early 90s kind of big rivalry when the Cowboys and the 49ers, the last time they were both really big teams, really high contenders. Um, the Cowboys have looked good and looked solid. They obviously had the slip up against the Cardinals, which honestly I think was more about the Cardinals than it was the Cowboys. The Cardinals team on that day absolutely looked like they would not be denied no matter what. And I think the Cowboys just just didn't didn't rise up to it. But I said that's a Cardinals thing, less of a Cowboys thing. I still think the Cowboys look good. Cowboys look consistent. I think the running game is better. I there was I can't remember who it was. I think it was one of the Fox talking or ESPN talking heads were talking about how the the Cowboys are missing Ezekiel Elliott. The Cowboys are absolutely not missing Ezekiel Elliott in 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 no way whatsoever. They have absolutely upgraded their position there by subtraction. Um, C.D. Lamb looks like he's really really starting to uh, to find his fit in. Michael Gallup's really starting to show some stuff after kind of coming back from injury last year. All in all, there's a lot of positives to talk about on the offensive side of the ball for the Cowboys. The defense looked great. Defense, um, the the sack fumble return for a touchdown, the pick for a touchdown, really showing that it's not, uh, this isn't a one side of the ball thing. This is a both sides of the ball. Very, 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 very good understand, understanding what the assignments are and performing it this is going to be the challenge and it's not necessarily the can the cowboys beat the 49ers here it is okay after this game then what happens for both teams because like i said when i started my bit here i'm pretty certain we're going to see this at some point in the playoffs and then this game will be more relevant then because it will be okay who's learned what from then are we going to have what was what was the tagline for Eubank? Uh, repeat or revenge? 
might be the tagline for this when we see it again. Yeah, I, I mean, there's been a little bit of controversy this week um, with the Madden ratings coming out that Brock Purdy was rated, I think, 74 overall. And in some camps, there was uproar because, you know, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He hasn't lost a regular season game since getting the starting job and all of this stuff. And then in other camps, you've got, no, this is just a guy, very capable guy, who's landed in a brilliant position as part of a brilliant offense. Um, It's a weird one because I actually think both things can be true. I think he looks great. He makes very few mistakes. He's mobile. He's good at keeping his eyes downfield. Um, but I think that offense has sorted itself out in a really weird way, you know, because McCaffrey is definitely, I mean, not only is he the RB1, he is the beating heart of that offense in a number of ways. He can just do it all. He's just utterly brilliant. His speed, his change of direction, his football brain, his catching ability just makes him, I think, the best running back in the league. And and probably if he keeps this up, um, a serious MVP contender. I know we haven't seen many MVPs historically from the running back position, but he has got to be in the mix. The thing that I think is more interesting, though, is you've got McCaffrey, absolutely the RB1. You've got Kittle, obviously a great tight end. It's the fact that Ayuk is now probably more of a weapon than Debo Samuel, I think has been the odd shift for me because a couple of years ago, Debo Samuel was kind of RB1 and wide receiver one. And there was all this talk about he didn't want to stay to be overused and all of these types of things. He now is a complementary player, admittedly complementary in the highest powered offense in the league. Um, The Cowboys need a few players back. If they can get a few players back from injury, I think they've got a better chance. I think the 49ers are the better team, but I do think whichever team gets in the lead of this one, whatever team gets out early, I think the other team could find it very difficult just because, you know, both of these teams are capable of answering scores with scores. So yeah, whoever nudges in front, it could be their night. with anything either of you have said really um the only thing for me is yeah cmc is mvp at this point sorry i like using the acronyms but i i, I genuinely don't see a better player at this point in time than what he's doing not only at his position but just as an offensive player you know i think He's such a weapon. There is nothing that he can't do. And there's runs that I see him make that you think, oh, he's going to get tackled there. He's just a couple short. And he makes it over the line. And, um, yeah, he is just a serious contender. And, yeah, like you said, interesting that Ayuk is now the go-to guy. And I think as much of that is about rapport with Purdy. You know, they just seem to have that connection. and, And Debo is... I don't know, maybe a victim of his own success. Maybe he gets a little more double covers because people are so afraid of him getting the ball in his hands. And actually you forget that Ayuki is absolute lightning and so dynamic with the ball in his hands too. Um, that, you know, people aren't giving them maybe that coverage. But I think ultimately when you've got, when you're a defense and you've got three players as receivers that you don't know what to do with and you have to cover. And then you've got Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. Somebody has to be the one that's going to get the, you know, the looks. You're obviously going to cover Kittle. You're obviously going to cover Samuel. And that's going to open lanes for Ayuk. And I think the the difference this year is that 
he's making the most of those looks and those chances. You know, I, I think over the last few years, he's got the ball, but maybe not always been as effective. Um, and this year, he's just really stepping into that role. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the Niners. Cowboys are an odd one because, you know, I called them out the other week as being the team that um, maybe was getting all the hype and wouldn't live up to it. And uh, aside from that Cardinals game, you know, they looking at their records, they're really strong. They put the Patriots to the sword, which, I mean, to be honest, I could have quarterback for the Cowboys and still look better than Matt Jones. So um, there's, there's maybe no... Um, no real menace in that, but you know they're they're very good on both sides of the ball. And like you said the other week, Rob, when I called them out, maybe that offense isn't clicking yet, and still they're putting up thirty points a weekend, and they're they're still looking strong. And they've not got the best out of Dak, and they've not got the best out of Gallup. And at some point, that's maybe going to come together. So yeah, this is a real um, a good shout from JB because. Uh, yeah, I can't see a better game of the week, really. And in terms of that back and forth matchup, yeah, it feels like this year we've had one of those a week. You know, like we've had one of the like last week we had the Bills and Dolphins, and before that we've had it every week. There's been that one game where there's been what two really dominant teams come together, and yeah, this is just a continuation of that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think it will be an exciting game. I think the Cowboys, I don't know, I'm still on the side where I believe that they've got something going on. I mean, if, if I don't know, if I probably have the 49ers ahead in the NFC, I maybe don't have the Cowboys far behind, say, an Eagles in that, that chasing pack. You know, I think Philadelphia is still right up there. Dallas maybe in that mix as well. And I I still think the Rams and Seahawks have got things about them. Um, but look, JB, you've got two of the most successful and storied franchises in the history of our fair league. And only one set of players are going beyond the velvet rope. Um, who's going in club dub and why, sir? Well, we will welcome this, uh, this team into club dub. Uh, and they can uh, greet the official uh, the official new cocktail for the evening. The cocktail is called the Gold Rush because we are welcoming in the San Francisco 49ers. I like the creative wordplay of the Gold Rush. Maybe we should do that. We should have more NFL-themed cocktails in the club. Um... Yeah, another one to workshop. So many ideas, just brimming with ideas. Yet again, gentlemen, on the world's number one privately produced American football podcast. You see what I did there? See what I did? You just, you just—it's it's just it's all about the wording, gents. It's all about the wording. Um, so thank you, everyone in Listenerland, for keeping us company as we recapped Week Four and got—I think—pretty excited about all things Week Five. Um, but before we go, I mean, it's hardly any other business. It's the stuff of legend, right? We've got two um, immense sporting contests to put to bed. Uh, we need to see who was top of our Pick'em League uh, last week, picking the most number of correct results. But before we do, let's swing back round to the toughest quiz question in all of podcasting. No Google, 
all noodle. So I said to you, while playing as AFC quarterbacks, the record for the most touchdowns go to Tom Brady, followed by Peyton Manning in AFC colours. I wanted to know who on that all-time list of AFC quarterbacks was third. Now, there's some big names, big names who spent all, if not the majority of their career in the AFC. I'd love to know who you plumped for. So, um, JB, shall I have your guess first? I mean, I say guess. You may know the answer. I I do not know the answer. I've been trying to narrow it down between two. And I am going to go with, I think it's Andy Williams' favourite AFC quarterback. Old Man Rivers, Philip Rivers. You're going Pip Rivers. Yep. Crikey, it's but it's it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Aldrin, who are you going for? He's exactly the same guy that I wrote on my PS and paper. I put Philly Rivers. Well, in a world where down between he only played AFC. Yeah, it was Roethlisberger or it was Rivers. He is the same on spot. Roethlisberger Rivers is an interesting one. You see, my mind immediately went to Miami's own favourite son, Dan Marino. I mean, that guy was in in aqua and orange for 20 years. I think he's got times. Like, I think he's probably five. But I think. I I just think Rivers and Roethlisberger played a lot longer. I I considered Marino. I also considered Dan Fouts because both of those played in quite potent offenses over the years, but they also played in offenses in like the eighties and the nineties where the league was very run heavy. Yeah. So, but now I'm making a case for this. I'm like, Oh, I think we've got it wrong here. I'm sure it's really because I, I'm sure. Well, in a world where you could have gone Dan Marino, you could of course gone John Elway, another man who spent an epically long career, put, Two Lombardies aloft aloft in his time as well. Um, But you were both correct to go with Philip Rivers, incredibly, for a guy who achieved, well, well, a lot lot more kids than winning seasons, I think, in his uh, time in San Diego. (laughs) Um, He is third on the all-time list for touchdowns thrown by an AFC quarterback. Yeah, That that also makes a lot of sense because considering how often the Chargers are charging, it makes sense that he would have to throw the ball a lot to get a lot of touchdowns. Well, there's a, there's a lot of garbage time touchdowns in there, isn't there? Oh, yeah. well, I think there's also, you know, we talked about um, Purdy and is he a good quarterback or is he in a good situation? And I just said, well, you can be both. I mean, yeah. the thing for Philip Rivers is he had some great years. I mean, the Tomlinson, Gates years, yeah. even towards the end, actually. I mean, you know, Keenan Allen, there's been some great players and some great mm-hmm. Charger teams, but he's just never quite had um, what some of the real AFC yeah. superpowers around him have had, like the New England Patriots with Brady and the Colts with Manning, I guess. But um, NFC-wise, yeah. just for my own sanity, NFC is Drew Brees, obviously. Right, by well, surely. Well, or is that is that next week's quiz question? I, I was going to say, don't. I mean, we've got a long season here. <laughs> let's let's see. Let's spread the high quality content. Let's leave like people wanting more. Been my guess. Right. I often like to leave people wanting less, and that's often <laughs> what I feel like I do. So, um, well, yeah. that that is um, where our, our particularly unique style of podcasting diverges. Um, JB, why don't you give us um, the uh, well, I'm I'm pretty excited. I don't actually know the result, but I was feeling quite buoyed by a few messages over the weekend that suggest, for the first time in a long time, is it right that I'm in the running? 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this with two stats first of all. First, as longtime listeners will be aware, last season Rob Rose, the host with the most, did not win a week until week thirteen. And what I can also say this week is Rob Rose failed to pick a winner of Thursday night football, so could already be at a disadvantage. But we'll get into the the nitty gritty. Um, Fourth place of our foursome, uh, Aldrin with an eight and six. Uh, JB with a ten and four. No, hang uh, hang on a minute. I've got Aldrin's score wrong. Aldrin was fourth. I I did not win. (laughs) No, you did not win. (laughs) Phil was third with 12 and three, which means listeners with a score of 13 right and one wrong out of 14 rob rose takes his first week i mean not only takes it i mean near perfection are we are we not going to linger on that any longer yes would you like to know who let you down I, no, um, I, it doesn't matter, JB. I just like the synergy of Rob only got his first win in week 13 last week, and this time he gets 13 games right. It's yeah, it's, it's a beautiful like, thing. It is. There is nine a, and a six beautiful symmetry. Nine and six. So, go nine on, who did let me down? Who did I pick to win? You, in the AFC battle, picked the Mammy oh, Dolphins. Dolphins. Wow. I don't even remember picking picking Dolphins, but there you go. There you go. That must be what I what I did. I, I don't doubt it for a second. I'll take that. Nice to be on the scoreboard. Um, very excited for this week. I, I feel in a rich vein of form in in many ways. Um, so all that's left to do to round out our pod is I've decided I can tease it no more. I'm not going to carry it over. Um, who holds the record for the most touchdown passes thrown by an NFC quarterback? So obviously I took the obvious players off the board with the AFC because you've got Peyton Manning and Tom Brady that are actually well ahead of even Rivers yeah. and the rest. Um, I'm not going to do that with NFC. I'm going to say, just pick me. I, I think the top three are all pretty close in my mind. Actually, one of them is quite a way, um, a way out front in reality. Um, but go on then, Aldrin, I'm coming to you first this time. Most touchdowns thrown by an NFC quarterback. I mean, it's got to be Drew Brees. It's Drew Brees. It's got to be Drew Brees. Well, isn't in all time in like in all time i think he's above manning yeah so all so, time he's high but how many of those were as a charge well you know i'm doing okay yeah. uh jb brett Favre. right um the correct answer aldrin you are two for two is um drew Brees. brett Favre's got to be like Brees. second though right but um, so you've got uh, Drew Brees, then you've got Aaron Rodgers. Oh, of course, um, Rodgers, yeah. So you've got, I mean, there's a lot of big names up there. Fran Tarkington's up there from there. But but anyway, yeah, a lot of big names up there. But yeah, Drew Brees, Rodgers, Joe Montana, Favre, the, the usual suspects. But yeah, Drew Brees tops the list. So yeah. there you go. Um, we end on a, a bang. Um, excited for a second of three London games. Um, I hope if any of you in Listener Land are going, you get to enjoy it too. Um, treat yourself to what are we going for at uh, Tottenham on Sunday? I think the burgers were good last time, right? Yeah, there was a plentiful range of options that just, weren't just present choice. at Wembley. So, I think I'm just you know, going to bask in the for. glory of choice. 
Yeah. yeah. What do you want? Well, you can have the chicken or the nachos. Such a tough <laughs> choice. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the bountiful choice in Tottenham. I'm looking forward to seeing lots more UK fans get their annual fix of NFL football. And gentlemen, thank you for another absolutely perfect demonstration of what it takes to deliver gold standard podcasting. Um, I'll catch you all again in a podcasting sense in about a week. And of course, in a sense in the real world outside this lovely magical world we've created on Sunday for football. Have a good one, gents. Can't wait. See you soon. Bye, all. Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends.